Well, hey guys, I'm excited to preach this message. Um, something that I myself have gone through before. I think it's something we've all gone through, and I want to talk on the to- the topic of failure. So, real quick, I want to read uh, where we're going to be at. And if you have your Bible with you, which I hope you do, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 21, verses one through nine. And uh, just looking at a, a little story here that I think we can all relate to. So if you're there, uh, I'm about to read it in a little bit. If you're not, we'll have it on the screens for you so we can hook you up there. So starting in verse 1, uh, it starts with like this. After this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana, and the brother Zebedee and the two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them replied, we're going with you. They went out, got in the boat, and they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they did not recognize him. So this is after Jesus' death, and they had not known that he's resurrected yet. So this is all shock to them. And so all of a sudden, Jesus spoke to them, good morning, did you catch anything for breakfast? And they answered, no. He said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. When Simon Peter realized that it was, in fact, the master, he threw on some clothes, for he was stripped for work, and dove into the sea. The other disciples came by the boat, for they got out of the boat when they saw the fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. So here they have a whole night, they didn't catch anything. All of a sudden, they know Jesus is back. He calls them, and they get off the boat and start running towards him. And that's where we're going to be here today. And uh, just a message that, that's something that, mama, I, I've struggled with this. I think we've all can put in a, fill in a blank on a fear that we've struggled in our lives. But I want to talk about how we can, yes, we can, we can accept that we are going to fail. We are going to mess up at times. But how we can move forward through that and not, and not let the failure in our lives have the power to keep us back from all the things that God has for us. So that's what I want to talk about here today. So let's just pray and bless this time. Lord, we just pray that you would just be here tonight or today, Father, that you would just have your way here. Father, um, this wouldn't just be something that, that I'm preaching, Father, but you just be preaching through me, God that you want to speak to your people, God, that you want to, God, just break the chains of failure, God, here today, Father, you want to, um, God, you want to, unlock some destinies here today, Father. You want to unlock some, um, some callings, Father. You want to take people's lives to the next level, Father, the relationship with you to the next level. And Father, we just know that you're going to do something great here today, Father. We're expectant. We're believing. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So on the topic of failure, I, I, can't, I can't just speak on this and not speak of my own failure. Of my own. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to just, uh, just start calling all these failures and be like, wow, this guy's making me feel really bad. So I am going to talk about a failure that I had. It was, you know, it was a pretty funny one, but it's also a, a pretty horrific one. And uh, it, uh, a lot of people know this story already. It's kind of like my icebreaker story. Like whenever I'm in a group of people I don't know, I just like, hey, so I had this story one time and I start with this. And it was my sophomore year of high school. And I had some friends over, my mom was there, and we were having a good time in the pool, just relaxing, you know, just, you know, just being, enjoying the high school years. And all of a sudden, my mom says, hey, look, I'm going to step out and go grab some groceries. Can I trust you to have the, you know, to take care of the house, and you guys are going to do your thing? And I'd be like, yeah, mom, sure, you know, we got this, you know, and you know how it is from there. And uh, all of a sudden, she left, and, uh, you know, as soon as she left, it was like, okay, mom's gone, let's get the party started. So, um, we were in the pool, like I said, but, uh, you know, I was like, okay, the pool, it's been fun, but it's getting kind of boring now. Let's, let's take this thing, let's take it up a notch. So all of a sudden, I get this idea, because I've done it before, and I've landed it successfully, was uh, to get on the roof and to jump off my roof into the pool. 
And I was like, man, I feel like this is gonna be a, a fun, this is gonna really make, me, you know, I'm gonna feel really cool because all my friends are like, man, you gotta go to Phil's house. He jumps off the roof into the pool. He's a super cool dude. And so all of a sudden, all my friends were doing it. We got a little ladder and we got on the roof and we started jumping one by one, just over and over and over. And here's the thing about this night was that this night there was a girl that, you know, I was, um, I was, what's the word? I was trying to holler at her, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to, you know, just see if she wanted to be my girlfriend at the time, you know, and uh, so I was like, hey, tonight's tonight. You know, we're all going to jump in the, in, from the roof into the pool. She's going to like, she's going to think I'm so cool. I'm going to show off and all this stuff. So she was on the roof, but the thing was, she was the only one that didn't want to jump. So she was just stuck on the roof. She would just sit there and like, you know, me, I had to like, you know, slide next to her because, you know, in my day, we had to slide in real life. We didn't have DMs back then. So here's the thing. We had to, you know, so I got next to her and all of a sudden, you know, I try to like, you know, peer pressure, like it's okay. Like everybody's doing it, you know, like it, you're going to be fine. It's impossible not to make it. So all of a sudden we're on the roof just hanging out. I'm, you know, giving her a pep talk. And all of a sudden my mom pulls in the driveway and I was like, abort mission, I'm leaving, bye. I don't care about you that much, I'm out of here. So I leave, I get up and run off the roof and I see her actually like, oh my gosh, she's gonna do it. This is gonna be, this is the moment. This is her time to shine. And all of a sudden I jump off the roof. I see her jump too. I'm like, okay, she did it, awesome. I land in the water, splash. I'm laughing, I'm having a good time. But all of a sudden... I see a still body laying on my pool deck, and uh, she didn't make it, guys. She, she, um, she's still alive. She's still alive, but she just, uh, she, uh, she, yeah, she's still, you know, doing great things. I believe God's going to bring her to church one day. She, she just uh, ended up breaking both her ankles, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. So you can honestly, I can, you know, you could pretty much just piece everything together. We didn't uh, end up dating. We didn't end up going out. We didn't end up doing anything. Uh, you know, the only experience we had after that was at a party, I had to get her in a wheelchair and I had to like take her and be like, what's up guys? How you doing? Cool, cool. Yeah, this is Katrina. Yeah. I don't know how this happened, but you know, it happens. And uh, as I think about that story, as I think about that failure, how funny and how crazy and how terrible it makes me look, uh, I started to think about failures. And, and you know, the thing about failures is that when it comes between our relationship with Jesus, I feel like our failures have the power to separate us and make a distance between us and Jesus. And because we think our failure is so bad, it's so irredeemable, all of a sudden we see our life starting to go another course that we thought it wasn't supposed to go. So we let this failure have power over us when, when it shouldn't even have power in the first place. But because we're so hard on ourselves and we, we start to think in the aftermath of our failure, we start to think, how can God use me? How can he still love me after he knows what I just did? If he's supposed to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, then he must have saw, saw me do this failure right here. He must have saw me maybe uh, mishandle my finances. He must be watching me as my marriage is falling apart. He must be watching me as I cheat on my, my, my test scores and, and do these things that I know I shouldn't be doing. And he's watching me in this loop of failure. And you start to think in the aftermath of your failure, you feel like, how can God use me? And all of a sudden you start to feel, you go from feeling worthy to unworthy. And all of a sudden, instead of going more towards the calling of your life, you start to go in another direction, a direction that God never called you to take. And you know, the thing about failure is, like I said before, we all relate to it. We all go through it. It's going to happen. But how we respond to it is going to make the difference. And you see, we're not the only ones. That's what I love about the Bible. The Bible is full of relatable characters. So many people that, that, that go through what we've gone through, where we can learn from their experiences and say, hey, look, Peter went through it. I'm going to get through it. Paul went through it. I'm going to get through it. And here we see the Peter and the disciples. They, they, uh, they're, they're back to their old jobs. They, they, they ended up just failing and, and doing things they said they would never do. And now they're back in their old jobs. You see here in John 21, they're on the boat. And, you know, this is not where they thought their life was going to be. 
All of a sudden, they were, they were with Jesus. They were seeing him heal people. They were seeing him uh, raise people from dead to life. They were seeing him, you know, heal people with leprosy, doing all these crazy things, just living a highlight of his ministry. Yeah, it wasn't always perfect, but it was, it was victory from victory because Jesus was doing so much. And they were living with him, walking with him every day. So they had success and success. But now here in our story, we find them living in great failure. We find them back to their old jobs. They forgot their calling. They forgot their purpose. And now they're back to where God never called them to be, where God took them from. They ended up breaking the promise they said they would never break. The disciples said they, they were ride or die for Jesus. They were going to be with him for, to the end of the day. They would never deny him. They would never betray him. And they ended up breaking that promise. And no one fell harder than Peter. No one broke his promise more, more miserably than Peter did. And if we can go back to that moment and take ourselves to that scene in Luke 22, 54 through 62, and they should have it on the screen for us. There it is. So it's here is Jesus is getting arrested and, and Peter's following behind him and says, arresting Jesus, they marched him off and took him to the house of the chief priest. Peter followed, but at a safe distance. In the middle of the courtyard, some people had started a fire and were sitting around it trying to keep warm. One of the serving maids sitting at the fire noticed him, then took a second look and said, this man was with him. She called him out. And he denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. A short time later, someone else noticed him and said, you're one of them. But the second time, Peter denied it. Man, I am not. But an hour later, someone else spoke up really adamantly like, hey, I know for sure that this guy was with Jesus. And he says this, he's got, he's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Denied him for a third time. And at that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed. Just then, Jesus, the master, turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried, cried, and cried. Put yourself in that scene. You know, for me in my own life, I, I, I have trouble failing. And, and I know God is not even visible in the, in the flesh. But imagine failing in front of Jesus in the flesh in man form. Imagine how Peter must have felt. He betrayed him. Peter, who was the rock, who in Matthew 26 says, I will never deny you, Jesus, to his face. He made a man-to-man -man promise. I will never deny you. He didn't deny him just once. Not twice, but three times. In front of Jesus, in front of the one who said he would never deny, he would never leave. And now we're back in this scene. John 21, they're fishing. And think about it. Now Peter... And the disciples are living with this scene in their head. Peter, the last, oh, the only memory he has of his encounter with Jesus is that uh, betrayal. And then it gets worse because then he had to witness the death of Jesus. And there wasn't no second chance. There wasn't no, oh, let me go talk to Jesus before so, he could, so I could say sorry. There wasn't any of that. He didn't get that chance. He went from failure to failure. And that's what they're living with right now. And maybe you are like Peter. Maybe you say, I relate to that, Phil. I feel like I'm Peter. I feel like I'm, I failed so bad. I feel like I've denied Jesus so many times. I feel like I find myself in life where I don't want to be. Maybe it's that failure of finances or maybe it's that failure of, of parenthood and maybe you feel like you're doing such a bad job. Maybe you're a young person here today and people have told you you're a failure, you're a mistake. 
Maybe that is you. And maybe because this failure is so strong and your mistakes are so weighed down on you that you feel like you can't take another step forward. And you feel like everything God promised you, Jesus said about your life, can no longer be reached, can no longer be grasped. But I think Jesus wants to tell you here today, 1 p.m., that failure is not final. Failure is not the end. Failure is not your story. Failure has no power over you. And failure, you're a lot stronger than you think. You have more power in you than you think. But if you give power to failure, then you will not be able to have it, not be able to defeat it on your own. And you have to remind yourself, Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from Jesus. Nothing. Now angels, no demons, the high life, the low life, nothing. Nothing can separate you. Not your failures, not your mistakes, not what people say about you. And the only way we're going to have power over our failure is if we learn how to fail forward. And what do I mean by that? I mean, hey, you know what? You fell. You messed up. It's okay. It happens. Jesus knows we're not perfect. But dust your shoulders off. Dust your, dust your shirt off. Just wipe it clean. And let's get back up and let's keep moving forward. Because if we learn to do that, then we're going to walk into all the blessings God has for us, waiting for us if we just take that step forward. How we respond to failure determines how much blessing we'll receive from God. How are you going to respond? How will you respond? And I think I want to talk about three things that I think can help us fail forward. Three things that I think if we can apply in our own lives, I think are going to help us in our day-to-day. And the first thing is this. Don't backtrack to who you were. Stay on track in who you are. Don't backtrack to who you were. Stay on track in who you are. That's the thing about failure. Failure wants to take you backwards. There's nothing the devil wants more than anything is for you to feel so sorry about your failure that you forget your calling and just go backwards. That's a win in his book for you. It's like, oh, this guy, he's, he messed up here. Let's, 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 let's see what, how he's going to respond. And for you to go backwards, that's a win for the devil. And that's the thing. That's what happened to Peter and the disciples. They went backwards. They ended up forgetting their purpose and what Jesus has called them to do. And what was their purpose exactly? Well, Matthew 4, 19 through 20, it says this. This is Jesus talking. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed them. And this is Peter saying to Jesus in Luke 18, 28, he said, we had left it all to have followed you, Jesus. We left it all to follow you. But then I look at this story here in John and it's funny because if they left it all, then how come it was so easy for them to go back to their old jobs? How come it was so easy for them to maybe take that boat out of storage, take their nets out of storage and get back into the fishing, ministry, into the fishing business? That's what happens to us. With our failure, we, 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 we like to, in our lives, we like to leave these little escape hatches. We like to leave these little doors that nobody knows about, these little secret, secret uh, hideouts that if, no, if this whole Christianity thing doesn't work, if this whole, this whole life following Jesus doesn't work, I could just open this door and go back to where I was. Because at least not, there I know no one will judge me. At least there I know nobody will, will make fun of me for failing. So instead of going to church, getting in a connect group, we go actually opposite of what we need to be doing. I think we feel like our failure is so bad that the last place we want to be here is a church. The last thing we want to do is show our faces in our connect group. So we end up opening the door that God meant to stay closed. And that's the thing in our lives. In order for us to move forward, we have to commit to not opening those doors that God meant to stay closed. It's easy to do it. And that's what I like. You know, we always say about here, you know, God is going to open a door for you. He's going to close the door for you. And just because the door is closed, just because God closes, doesn't mean he doesn't allow you to open it up. We have free will. We can make our own choices. What choice will you make? How will you respond? 
If you decide to say, hey, I'm not going to go back to where I was because I know what Jesus saved me from, then your life is going to be taken to a whole nother level. You see, that's the thing. It's easier said than done. But we have to make that choice. You know the thing about failure is that failure follows more failure. It's more attractive. The more you fail, the more easier it is for you to keep going down that cycle. And what we need to know is what this, this, this story is, is, is telling us is that the greater distance we go away from Jesus, the greater failure we will experience. The greater distance we decide to go away from Jesus, who is our only hope, our only help in this, in this redeemable fact, if we go away from him, then our failure will follow us. So what will the choice be? Because Jesus doesn't want you to live like that. He didn't call you to live a life after failure, after failure, after failure, because he gave you the victory already. Failure is temporary defeat in your life that's already permanently victorious. If you have accepted Jesus into your heart and you call yourself a Christian, you've said the sinner's prayer, you've accepted him, then you are free. Your life is already victorious. You can never lose. So don't ever think this failure is you losing. It's just a small little defeat. But you're already victorious. But you have to decide to accept that victory and not go away from it. So what, did, what, what direction will you go? Jesus doesn't want you to live like this. And that's why it's so key that we learn the difference between failing forward and failing backwards. Failing backwards is like a jail cell. Failure puts you back in when his grace already took you out. So it's like, I, I feel so bad for my failure that I'm going to just put myself in this jail. So I'm going to take myself out of his calling. I'm going to take myself out of everything he's called me to do and just sit in this jail cell. The door's open. The door is wide open, but I'm just going to sit here. And that's the power of failure. The power of failure has to, it makes you stop in your tracks. This jail cell that Jesus got you out of to open your destiny, to open your calling. Now you're saying, I, I, I feel so ashamed. I can't do this. So I'm just going to sit back in the jail cell that God saved me from in the first place. That's the power of failure. That's failing backwards. Failing forward is this. Remembering that nothing can hold you back when you've been set free. Look at Ephesians 1, uh, verses 7 through 10. Say this, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, because of Jesus' death on the cross, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds, misdeeds, mistakes, failures. And you're not just barely free. You're abundantly free. You're not just free. You're abundantly free. I would have been, I would have been excited just to be free. That's what I love about the Bible. It's not, it's not just here to just make you feel good for a little bit. It wants, it wants to encourage you and empower you. Say, hey, look, you're not just free, but you're abundantly free. And that freedom that you have allows you to go forward. It allows you not to, to go backwards in the power because you have all the power in you. But will you accept it? Will you accept that, that what the Bible says about you is true, that you are free people? Or will you just read that and just say, hey, I know that sounds good, but I'd rather just go my own way. I'd rather just go back to my old life. You have to make that choice. In order to live in that freedom, you have to remember this verse. You have to remember what scripture says about you. You have to remember who you are and not what you did. Because just because you make a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. Just because you feel like you, you have failed so many times doesn't make you a failure. That is not who you are. You're a free people. You're a city on the hill like we, just, like we just read about an offering. That is your identity. That is your power. Freedom is your character. It is your motivation. 
Second thing I want to talk about is this. Don't let your present failure keep you down. Let God's plans and promises lift you up. Don't let the present failure keep you down. But a lot of the scriptures, the Bible, his plans, his promises over his life that has been spoken over you, that you know if God has spoken in your own life, let those be the motivations to get back up and keep going. You see about the disciples, it says that they didn't catch anything all night. So not only were they failing in their ministry when they were, when they were following Jesus, but now they're failing at their old jobs, what they're supposed to be good at. They're fishermen. And now they're not catching anything. So the whole night, all they were looking at is empty nets. They would put it in the water, they would take it out, nothing. I think their failure was such on their mind and they gave so much power to it that instead of being encouraged, instead of them actually like having hope and believing in what Jesus have told them, they allow their failure to, lose, to make them lose hope, to feel like their dreams are no good, to feel like their purpose is gone. And so all they're doing, their nets are empty just like their lives. Their nets, maybe that's you. You're, you're, you're looking at your nets and it's empty. And you feel like your, your, your failure is not in the nets, but it's at the bottom of the sea. And you feel like you've been trying to get past, past this thing. You've been trying to keep moving forward, but all of a sudden you just keep looking empty nets. And you feel like that's discouraging. It's just, how do I have hope in this? Here's the thing. Your hopes and dreams aren't in the bottom of the lake. Your calling isn't in the bottom of the lake. Here's the thing. Here's a reminder that you need to know for the rest of your life is that when you fall, you don't lose your call. When you fall, you don't lose your call. If God has called you to do something, you know in your heart he's called you to this, just because you make a mistake or a failure doesn't mean you're going to lose it. doesn't mean he erases everything he promised to you. Now, that, that's, not, that, that's not to say this, not to say, oh, you have the freedom to sin and, and do whatever you want. You have this freedom to just live your life your own way because Jesus, Jesus didn't die for the freedom to sin. He died you from the freedom from sin. So, yes, so that's not a free pass to just do whatever you want. But it is a free pass to say, hey, you know what? I failed, but I know that God has not revoked his calling and I can keep moving forward. That's living in freedom. That's how you keep moving forward. That's how you start to see more blessings in your life, more doors of opportunity opening up. If we don't give failure, it's power. That's the thing. In our failure, Jesus wants to remind us there is more. Because what did he tell them to do? He knows they weren't catching anything. So he tells them, hey, catch your nets on this side and see what happens. Even in their failure, God blessed them. That is the Jesus that we serve. That is the Jesus that, that loves us no matter what. Even in our failures, he still wants to bless us. Even though we are unworthy, that's who we serve. But here's the key thing. You can't beat yourself up. You cannot beat yourself up. I think so many times we could be our own worst enemies. This is me talking from my own experience. I feel like I'm very hard on myself. You know, I played college football and I was my worst critic, my own worst, even here on the platform, I'm my own worst critic. And when it comes to my failures, I'm my own worst critic. And I beat myself up over and over. You know, I think sometimes this passion for Jesus that we have this fire, sometimes we could put it out ourselves. We don't need anybody else to put it out. We're putting it out ourselves. Because we just, we're just so hard on ourselves and we, we see all the facts in the Bible, but yet we still choose to not listen to it and allow the voices in our head to have power over us. Here's the thing you got to know. You're not going to be looking at eminence for the rest of your life. Failure is, not a, it, failure is a delay, not a defeat. Failure is a delay, not a defeat. 
Just because you failed, okay, like I said before, let's get back up and keep going. But you're not defeated. You have the victory. So stop being so hard on yourself. If Jesus isn't being hard on you, then stop. Then why should you be? Live in that freedom. Walk in that freedom. Run in it. Go after it. And watch what God does in your life. And there's the last thing, and the band could come back up. Point number three. Even when you have a setback, God has already prepared your comeback. Even when you have a setback, God has already prepared your comeback. That's what I love about Jesus is he's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, a million, infinity chances. Infinity chances. But he can give us those chances, but if he keeps giving us chances and we still refuse to choose, not, choose, not to walk in that, then what's the point? Even if you have a setback, even if you have a failure, even if you have a misdeed, a mistake, he already prepared your comeback. This is what I love about Jesus. We put ourselves back in that story where these, uh, Peter denied Jesus. And he denied him to his face three times. Think about it. Put yourself in that scene. Think about it like it's a movie, a movie scene that's so real, so visible, you can almost touch it. And Peter's denying Jesus. And, and I love what, uh, this is crazy. I love what the scripture says that before the, before the even sentence came out, he knew what he had done. And it said that Jesus looked right at Peter. Think about that. This guy who you, you gave him a new life, you gave him a purpose, you gave him a, a calling, you gave him something that no one else can give him. And he betrays you three times in your face, in front of everybody, when he was supposed to have your back, when he said he was going to have your back, when he promised he would have your back, denied you three times. But here's the thing about Jesus, and I like to think this is how it is, you know, based on his character, based on the character of Jesus, I believe that when Jesus locked eyes on Peter after he denied him three times, I truly in my heart feel that Peter didn't see in Jesus' eyes hatred anger, disappointment. I don't think he saw, I don't think he saw that, he saw the eyes of looking at Peter like, you're a failure. How could you do that to me? I don't think that's what Peter saw in Jesus' eyes. I think what Peter saw was love. Was the love that no one else in this world can give us but Jesus. It was the love that says, hey, Peter, I know you messed up. I know you made mistakes, but I love you, and I still want to do something in your life. Peter didn't know it yet, but God already prepared his comeback long ago. Because now we, now we fast forward. Now we go back to that scene, and it, just, it didn't just end with Jesus telling him to go back and, and, and cast the nest to the other side and cast the fish. That, that wasn't the miracle. Yes, it was a miraculous, but I think the real miracle, the real power comes to what happened on that beach after breakfast. Because you see, this is what Jesus does, and Jesus is so smart and so calculated. Every move, everything he does is no, is no, it's no coincidence. It's not just for any reason. But he gets Peter and pulls him aside. He says, Peter, do you love me? And we can put it up there if we can. Here it says, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. And Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said it a third time. Coincidence. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked it for the third time. Why do you think he was upset? Because it brought him back to his failure. It brought him back to the place where he last regretted ever, ever betraying Jesus. 
It brought him back to his pain, his frustration. So, of course, he was upset. And Jesus asked him, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. This is what I love about Jesus. Is that he used his past failure to remind him of his future purpose. He used his past failure to remind him of his future purpose. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Shepherd my sheep. Shepherd the flock. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Maybe Jesus asked you the same thing. Do you love me? Like I love you. Yes. They go back to your workplace and tell somebody about me. Do you love me? Yes. They go into your school and start sharing Jesus to your classmates. Do you love me? Yes. Then start forgetting about, then start forgetting about your failure and remember the purpose I had for you, a purpose that gives you hope, plans for the future. That is what we need to do. If we can get this verse that I'm about to share and about to read, if we get this into our hearts, then our lives will never be the same. Because failure is not final. And you can get past it. You can move forward. It is not the end. Sometimes failure is the stepping stone that gets you into your future. And here's the verse. It's in Isaiah. A couple verses. It's two exactly. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. It's the message version. I love how it puts it. It says this, forget about what happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. What has your attention, your failure or your future? Your failure or your freedom? I don't know about you, but if the Bible tells me to forget, forget to, to, to get over your old history and to move past it, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't have to, I, I'm so hard on myself that it's like, if the Bible tells me that, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to forget about my old history. If the Bible tells me, that's what I'm going to do. To be present and to be alert, because I think that's, what the, that's the power of failure. It causes, us to, it causes us to have our eyes on our past and our, our future present failure, and, and all of a sudden we start to just forget the calling that God has in us. But if we could be alert and be present and not give power to the failure and start to remember the call we have in our lives, then nothing will be the same. That is what I think God is trying to tell some of you here today. That it's time for you to start being alert. It's time for you to start being present. That maybe your life feels like a desert, but he's making roads. He's doing the impossible in your life, but you got to do your part. You got to come to him. That's the thing about Jesus. He's not, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way onto you. He's going to wait for you to come to him. And when you do, he's going to give you so many blessings. It pains me to, to know that there's so many people walking in this life, knowing that their failure is what defines them, knowing that their failure is all they have, is who they are. I wish someone had told me this when I was younger. There's so many times where I, I felt so bad, so shameful. I didn't even walk, I didn't even want to walk into the church. Because I know people were gonna judge me. I know people were gonna laugh at me. I know people were gonna think that down on me. No, it wasn't right to do what I did, but you know what? I messed up. And it's okay to mess up. Because God knows you're gonna mess up. He knows you're not perfect. That's why he died on the cross. Because we are imperfect people. 
But sin and shame and guilt have no power over you. You need to start acting like free people because that's who you are. That's who God tells you you are. And no matter what anybody else tells you, it has no power. So if we can in this moment, I believe there's some people that aren't yet free yet. I want to pray for two group of people. If we could just bow our heads and close our eyes for this moment. Give somebody, give people some privacy. It's a special moment. I feel like Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people. Maybe this first group of people, maybe you're, you were like me and you feel like failure, it has power over you and you feel like you're so far gone. You feel like because of this loop of failure, you feel like, you feel like your sin and failure have a YouTube account and all you, can, all you have to watch is this over and over your failures. You feel like you just can't get out of this loop. You just can't get out of this cycle. Or maybe you feel like that one-time failure was so powerful that it just wrecked everything. It just threw your whole life on a loop. If that's you, I would love to pray for you. And maybe you're somebody else and you, you feel like you're in the failure right now and you feel like you just want to get out of it. But you don't know how. Today's the day where you start to fail forward. Today's the day where you start to walk into your calling, into your promise, and to your purpose. So if that's you, I would love to pray for you. On the count of three, just raise your hands. This is a private moment. We're not going to ridicule you, shame you. We just want to pray for you. One, two, three. If that's you, keep your hands up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Thank you for being so open, vulnerable. God sees your hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see all these hands up. Church, if we could pray with them, leaders, pastors, if we could pray with them. Father, I pray for these people that have their hands up. Father, I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't even know their names, but God, you do. You know their names. You know their life. You know what they're going through. And God, whatever failure they feel like is too powerful, whatever failure you feel like it, they feel like it's, it's got a hold on their life, you just break that, you just break that chain, you would break that bondage, you would break that rope that has them tied up so they can start walking, running toward your future and your calling, Father. You would start to lift them up, you would start to remind them, God, that they are free people, that they are not held by, by failures, that, they have, that your failure has no power over them. So Jesus, be with them, encourage them, God, show them your peace, your love, God. And that they, from this day forward, God, they will never give failure power ever again. We thank you, Jesus, amen. And for the second group of people, maybe you've heard this and you're like, Phil, I, I feel like I failed so many times, but I feel like I'm not free. This freedom that you talk about, I feel like I don't even have that in my own life. You know, there's nothing like going through failure without anybody to help you. There's nothing like going through failure by yourself can be a, such, a, such a terrible thing. Maybe you're here, you don't know Jesus. You don't know, you don't know the one who can take your failure and put it away. I would love for you to accept this invitation I'm about to give you. And if we can bow our head and close our eyes one last time. If that's you and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, You've never made that commitment to say, hey, Jesus, I want to start following after you. I want to start having a relationship with you. If, that's, if you've never done that, I want you to know that Jesus is not mad at you. Jesus is not ashamed of you. Jesus does not hate you, but he loves you. Loves you more than you can ever know. That even when you do mess up, even when you do fail, he will be there with you no matter what. And maybe you feel like I failed so many times that I feel a million miles away. You're only one step right now, from all that changing. Don't wait for next Sunday. Don't wait for tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. 
So if that's you, if you've never made a commitment to follow after Jesus, you've never opened your heart, I would love to pray for you. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Love to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I would love to pray for you. Anybody else? God bless you. I see you. Amazing. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else before we pray? God bless you. I see you. Amazing. Well, hey, for those of you who raised your hand, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not a prayer to me. It's not a prayer to the church. It's not a prayer to the pastors here. It's a prayer between you and Jesus. And it goes something like this in church. You know how we do around here. Let's repeat after me and let's, let's join them in this celebration. So if you can, just follow after me. Lord Jesus, I invite you inside. I open my heart for you to be my friend, for you to be my savior, for you to be my God. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my failures. Wipe my slate clean. Make me white as snow. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the rest of my life. Lord, I love you and I thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give a hand for all those that raised their hand, made that decision?